we've been doing study on the Holy Spirit, and Pastor's been doing a wonderful job on that, hadn't she? And But there's an area that I want to cover tonight in dealing with Holy Spirit, and it's more along uh, the lines of the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit is what I want to be dealing with tonight. And I titled this Fruit of the Spirit or Fruit of the Flesh, and I did a subtitle. I've been doing a lot of those here lately. Um, Which one am I yielding to? Because whether we like it or not, uh, Bubba spoke, and it's really stuck in my head, about the I choose. And really when it comes down to this faith walk, we're going to find out, you know, the Holy Spirit does give us power and ability, but there there is a part that I play in that. You know, we say it a lot around here, he's not going to force us to do anything. He gives us the ability and the power but there, there's a part that we play on exercising that. It's kind of like, and I mentioned gym stuff a lot, but me and my son, we work out in the mornings, and we come to certain weights, and we know that we have the powers within us to lift that weight, but we still got to put our hand to it and go through the motion to exercise it. The power is in us, the ability is in us, but we still have to exercise that uh, to do that. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we'll start in verse 16. And I told Tanya today, this I have been, I didn't think 7 o'clock was ever going to get here. I have been ready to go on this all week. And I thought, I was, I'll just show you. Uh, I was going to just kind of print out some notes the first of the week. I was bragging about how that I had everything ready. And this is what my notes ended up looking like just this collage of like, okay, I've got to redo these. So I, as I begin to redo it, you know, you just open up a can of worms. And uh, I've been doing notes all day long, but it, not just doing notes, but the Lord just kept bringing things to me. But let's start in verse 16 of Galatians 5. Are you there? This is Paul writing. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to clear, before I go any further, I want to clear this up here. There was a time that I would read this, and I thought, well, I mean, there are some definitions here. I just want to say this quickly. I printed these out of an old Bible that I have, and what they are is just a list of what the works of the flesh are. And on the second page, it's got the fruit of the Spirit. And if you would like to have one of these, I've printed some out just to keep with you. We're going to talk about roadmaps here in a little bit. 
So that's kind of a good roadmap that you can keep in your Bible to let you know whether I'm in the flesh or whether I'm in the spirit. And it'll, it'll go through all these because when we start running into definitions like seditions and heresies, you know, I'm from Arkansas, and so I have, and, you know, sometimes it's in mixed company. There's some things in there that are kind of uh, not PG. But anyways, you can get that and keep it with you. I got about 30 copies there, and if that's not enough, we can get some more. But let's keep going here. Well, let me finish my thought here. It says, when you look, if you're in the King James Version, it says that they which do such things, that actually brings it into one word that actually means practice. So I want you to understand there's a huge difference between making a mistake and practicing something, okay? I don't want you to get in condemnation over this because there's times that I make mistakes. Now, I'm not running around committing adultery. Can you say amen? Amen. But, you know, there's sometimes when we're not operating in love or I'm not operating in peace or I, maybe I've said an unkind word to somebody or maybe I've had a wrong attitude or in even people, and I know that uh, adultery is a really bad thing, but, you know, sometimes people make mistakes. Now, I understand some mistakes carry heavy consequences. I get that. But just because somebody slips up and does something one time does not mean God does not love them anymore. And it doesn't mean that you are so far away from God that he can't find you. But it's different whenever you say, man, I made a mistake, and you go and you repent, seek forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's just as much Bible as John 3.16. But when you try to, I think what Paul is saying here, what the heart of it, he is saying here is when you are bringing these things into your life and you are making them a practice, Holy Spirit has been dealing with you and you write him off. Friends, you're in a spot, I believe in this, that you could disqualify yourself from inheriting the kingdom of God. A lot of people don't like to talk about that. But Paul also talked in some of his writings about consciences being seared with a hot iron that you can't feel anymore. That's why we need to be really receptive to what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Uh, the Bible also says that if we will, in Hebrews, if we willfully sin after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. That's, about, that's just as much Bible as John 3.16. So we need to be careful what we are adding to our life, what we are practicing, what we are accepting, and what we are receiving. We need to be very careful. But I don't want you to get in condemnation because if you make a mistake, that's different than practicing something. Am I, are, am I making sense? Okay. Let's go on to verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Man, that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> Gentleness, goodness and faith, meekness, temperance. I like what he says here. Against such there is no law. If you're following these, you are keeping the law. So we, we read these, and I, I read those uh, off there. And like I said, if you want um, the definitions for those, um, this guy breaks it down into uh, into the um, the Greek, 
uh, definitions, really goes in to explain them very deep, and it's kind of just good to keep with you there. But I have a choice. This is what I had written anyways. I have a choice to live in flesh or spirit. But really the word that kept coming to me today was I have a choice of what I yield to. That's really the attitude that we need to look at life is what am I yielding to? What am I saying stop to? And what am I, I got this picture in my mind of holding up a stop sign. You know, when, when you hold up a stop sign or you come to a stop sign, there is no question in your mind what you're supposed to do, right? So when you hold, I'm thinking of when the enemy is coming at you, when you hold up a stop sign and you enforce that, he knows I can't go any further. But when we are yielding to, it's like we're opening up and just saying, come on through. But we have a choice, and I know that's hard for a lot of people because we're living in a day and a time where nobody really, I say nobody, a lot of people don't like to accept responsibility. And the reality is, if there is something working, I'm not talking about a mistake, if there's something consistently working in my life, whether that's good or bad, it's because I yielded to that. Uh, we're going to also see that, you know, God and the devil both need a willing agent in order to do what they want to do. That's the hard, that's the hard truth, but that's, that's just the reality. The fruit that manifests in my life really does show which one that I have been yielding to. Like I said, I'm not talking about a one-time thing, but I'm talking about a consistency. It shows what I have been yielding to. Kind of like a, I, I got this description in my mind, like a gauge on a car's, uh, the dash. You know, you got all the, obviously the gas gauge. You might have, you know, you got the temperature, your oil pressure, your, you know, the voltage on your battery. And it gives you an indication where everything may look okay, but it gives, it gives you more of an insight of what's going on underneath the hood. Everything may look okay, but uh, it really lets you know, hey, we, if, if your car is overheating and, and your temperature grade uh, gauge is pegging out, the car might look okay, but you've got a problem. You've got, you've got an issue that you need to take care of, and it's kind of like an indicator. And that's really what this... When Paul is talking about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, when we see these things working on our life, it's an indicator of what we've been yielding to. Now, as I said earlier, Paul is very stern in his writing, saying that those that commit or practice these things, these works of the flesh, uh, would not inherit the kingdom of God. And as I said, I don't want to look at this statement as condemning, but number one, I think we ought to look at it two ways, and number one is this, we should be thankful for the warning. When I know, and that's another thing too, is when people try to tell you what to do, uh, this society today is like, don't you tell me what to do. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. But I'm thankful that Paul said, hey, look, this is the way it is. And you know what? I'm thankful for that warning. Because we're, even though if we're not talking about where I'm going to spend eternity, I'm talking about, I don't, even if I don't, if I'm not going to go to hell, I don't want to live hell on earth. Did you know that the enemy's job, if he knows that you're born again and he knows that you're going to heaven, he still wants to make you taste just as much hell as he possibly can get you to taste. 
So when we read these things, it's not like Paul's like trying to tell them what to do. He's trying to show them how to live this life where the fruit of the Spirit is operating and living a full life. Uh, number two, he was given believers, uh, like I said, number one, we need to be thankful for the warning. Uh, number two, he was giving believers, as I said earlier, indicators to tell if they were walking in the flesh or in the spirit. Now, when we read this, this is what kind of popped up in my mind, was Paul was not writing to unbelievers. He was writing to a church in, I'm going to say Galatians, <laughs> but I'm sure it was something else, but Galate or something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm up here showing my ignorance. But when Paul is writing these things, he's, he's talking to things are in our, well, I'll say it this way. God is not looking for a reason to throw you out on your head. Okay. That's not what he's looking for, but he's trying to keep the enemy from wreaking havoc in your life. The, the fallout, I mean, I, I've used adultery earlier, and I, I think the reason that adultery, and we know that that's, you know, sex outside of the covenant that you already have made with someone, okay? And when you go outside of that, you are really, it's not, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting a lot of people. The fallout of that, the, the long-term fallout of that that goes on with your children and your children's children of a mistake that you made, uh, even though God can forgive, I'm not saying he doesn't, but that's why these things are, Paul started listening to these things. He said, you need, to be, you need to use these as indicators. When this stuff is popping up, this needs to be an indicator. This has got some serious consequences with this, and this is an indicator you're going the wrong way. When we start talking about indicators of where we're walking and where we're not walking, let's go to Jude chapter 1. <laughs> There's only one in there. I don't know, that word indicator was just like, that's, that's such a powerful tool that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul's writing gave us there. Is like, you know, I'm so thankful that God did not leave us ignorant, Right? I'm thankful that he left us his word that we can know when we're getting off base. Let's start in verse 17. And this is the importance of the Holy Spirit. He said, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust." These be they who separate themselves. He uses the word here in the King James Version, sensual, which is really described like an animal that follows its own lust and passions. And I know when we hear the word lust, automatically we think like, like sexual thought or you know something along those lines, but really that lust and passions there is like if you ever watch an animal, they just do whatever, whatever's in front of them. You know, if they want to eat, they eat. If they want to run, they run. There's no, there's no uh, governing body there for them. They just, just whatever they want to do. But he called them sensual, and this is what he said, having not the spirit. When you don't have the spirit working in your life, you're just doing whatever comes natural. And then people always say, you know, if somebody says that, you know, would make the dumb statement that I just want to go to hell, I would just say just do whatever you want to do and you'll, you'll probably find it. But 
having not the Spirit. Verse 20, it says, But ye, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When we are built up by praying in the Holy Ghost, we are not just solidifying simply praying in tongues. And I'm not against that. I believe we are praying tongues. I, I pray in tongues. The, I want to say this real quickly. A lot of people say, you know, they want to prove their theory, and I believe we got Bible to back this up, but I've also had an experience, okay? I've had the experience of praying in tongues, and it's not long to where God gives me what to say in English that I can know what to pray. Now, people will say, well, prove that in Scripture. Well, all I can tell you is what happened to me, that God gave me what to say, and then it would line up with what his word says. So there is, there is a lot of truth to that. But we're not just, when we talk about this, we're not just solidifying that we should be praying in tongues. But when we pray in our, uh, when we build ourselves up on our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost, this is really about us walking in the power of the Spirit and the, ed the evidence of it by His fruit manifesting in our life. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I also, and people say, I believe. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Have you heard that before? But we also are to add something to that too. I'm baptizing the Holy Ghost with the evidence of fruit showing. There has to be fruit showing. So let's, uh, you know, we can speak in tongues all we want, and that's great. But if the fruit of the Spirit isn't manifesting... We can, we can be, we can do it all we want to, but if the fruit isn't manifesting, then I've got to go back and say, hey, where am I missing? What am I missing here? Um, and it won't be people judging you. Um, your own actions will judge you. That's the hard part. Is, and like I said, I'm not talking about a one-time thing, but I'm talking about consistently. You know, believe it or not, your friends maybe that don't go to church or family members that don't go to church, they know when you genuinely make a mistake because they'll say, that's not him or that's not her. They know that because they're around us consistently and they know what we are consistently. But I'm talking about you know, consistent character and consistent actions. It won't be people judging you. Your actions will judge you. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 just to kind of uh, show you what I'm talking about here. I told Tanya I was going to try to keep this at 30 minutes, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> but now Ken took about five minutes on that joke, so <laughs> I, got, I got a little lenience there. I know he was trying to help us guys out. First Corinthians 13, are you there? All right. He said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith, this blows me away, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, 
the word charity we know is love. Uh, I believe that the Hebrew defines it as agape. But one of the other synonyms for agape, agape is the word benevolence. And to put a definition on benevolence in the Webster's Dictionary, benevolence is grace and mercy, courtesy, kindness, and service. But this is the one that, I re that really stuck out to me, was the disposition to do good. And the word disposition there means a prevailing tendency to do good. And according to this passage, after doing all this reading and all this defining, I can operate in these spiritual gifts, but if there isn't the manifestation of these synonyms that was listed, Paul said it was absolutely nothing. So it's not just about operating in the gifts as great as that is and as awesome as that is, but one of the greatest things that you can do to show that the that the Holy Spirit is manifest in your life is to be good. <laughs> that sounds like children's church stuff, doesn't it? Is to be nice. How do I, how do I prove to the world that, that the Holy Spirit is at work on the inside of me? Is it because I can prophesy? Is it because I can move mountains? Is it because I feed the poor? Is it because I have the ability to give my body to be burned? He's saying no. He said the way that we show the world that we're full of the Holy Spirit is to have grace with people, to be merciful, to be courteous, to be kind and to do service to people and have a disposition to do good. And if this fruit is manifesting in your life, you are not a pushover, you are not a wimp, you are full of the Holy Ghost. That is, the, that is the thing that we should really be looking for is that's going to draw people in. And I understand that whenever, um, just like this week, I was going back and is anybody familiar with the Brownsville Revival? Heard about it, mentioned, whatever. And I, I, got, to be, uh, I got to be there for a solid week and there was a lot of manifestations going on like as far as just a lot of spiritual gifts flowing and things like this. But you know, after that was over, there were a lot of people that, that were in that revival, that worked in that revival, that for five to seven years, night after night, that after the revival was over, there was a few years later that they went back and there was a big majority of those people that either did not go to church anymore and said that they didn't even believe in God. Now, I'm not, I'm not discrediting what happened there. What I'm trying to say is the, the miraculous things, when we think about Holy Spirit, the prophesying, the speaking in tongues, the interpretation, and all these things are all great and well, but the, the fruit, the long-lasting fruit of the power of the Holy Ghost is going to show up in how much love that we are showing to people. So don't ever think, when you just see people being nice, that there's nothing to that. There's a whole lot to that. It shows that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. Amen. Amen. I'm convinced that if you are a believer, I'm going to kind of shift gears here. If you are a believer, is anybody in here a believer? Yes. Believe in Jesus Christ? Yes. Well, I believe that if you are, 
there really is a desire on the inside of you to have the fruit of the Spirit working in your life. Believe that? Uh, There's been days that I've got up and messed up. But even in the messing up, there was still a strong desire in there in my heart that I wanted to please God. I wanted to do good. I wanted to have the fruit of the Spirit showing in my life. So I used to sit and think, you know, God, I want to be good. (laughs) I want to do good. I have a desire on the inside of me to be good and to do good and to just follow you with all of my heart. But yet there's still a part of me that for whatever reason, I just sometimes do things I shouldn't do. So I began to ask myself some really tough questions this week. That desire is there. I think we're all in agreement there, or at least you said you were, that we want the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life. And the great question is, how do I do that? How do I accomplish letting the fruit of the Spirit to show in my life? Well, Jesus told Peter in Matthew 26 and 41, um, also in Mark 14 and 38, he told Peter, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So how do I do this? Let's look at Acts 1 and 8. Jesus told the disciples, I'll give you a second to turn there. Are you there? He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's why when we start uh, talking about the, the very first one that Pastor Susan did, I know we were talking about the language of the Spirit, and, and certainly we need to study that and we need to know that. But I believe that one of the greatest things that you can receive when you get the Holy Ghost is power. Ability. And he said that you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And we can see this because we can look at Peter's life before and after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because we see before the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he denied Jesus three times, and the Bible says that he began to curse And I know a lot of times I thought that was, you know, he was cussing. But if you really dial that down, what he did is he swore with an oath that he did not know him. That's stronger than cussing in my book. He he swore with an oath, I do not know this man. But then we see after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he gets up and preaches. And is it five, three thousand, five thousand come screaming to the altar, what do I got to do to be saved? The power that was there. But that did not mean that Peter did not make mistakes down the road. Paul said, I had to confront him to his face. Remember that? So we're, we're not talking about no, no imperfections. We're talking about power to consistently operate in the Spirit. Now we know the word power there uh, means dunamis. I mean, we hear that. That's one of the very first things I learned here. When I came here was dunamis power. I remember them talking about and I thought they just like to say that, dunamis. It's kind of like salsa. They just like to say that, salsa. <laughs> but 
The word dunamis, which means miracle or ability and strength and might. And as I said earlier, there can be the ability in us. There can be that power in us, but we still have a duty to perform in order for it to manifest. So how do I operate in this power? How do I... How do I develop a life that I'm doing the things that I really do desire on the inside and I'm pushing flesh away? Well, it comes down to this. As I said earlier, the power is in you, but there is something that you've got to do. In James 4 and 7, here's a great example. James said this. He said, submit yourselves therefore to God. He didn't just stop there, right? He said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You can submit to God, and that's a great thing to do, but you've only done half of what, you're, what you need to do. You are going to have to resist, and people will say this, I did that. Well, you might have to do it more than one time. There was a, a day this week where I was letting something get under my skin. I spent the first half of the day, the only words that were coming out of my mouth was, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, leave. And I said that until victory came. I didn't know what else to do other than to do that. I'd love to tell you that uh, I read that somewhere. I'd love to tell you that uh, in my own wisdom that I come up with that, but that's, what the, that's just what kept coming to me. But you see, I could say, well, God, I'm submitting. God, I resisted. Nothing happened. There might be a time where you just got to stick your heels in the dirt and say, I'm not going to give up on this until I see victory. There may be things that come to you that you might have to resist the devil for a season. But that's the difference between walking in power and walk, or walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh is we've got the made-up mind that we're going to see this through to victory. Resisting the devil is not just one time. The same way when people do Mark eleven twenty two through 24. They said, I tried that. Well, you might have to believe that do it more than one time. You might have to believe that more than one day. It doesn't say here that God would resist him for you. I wish it was that way sometimes. But the dunamis power is in you, but you have to exercise it. He, but he's given you the keys. He's given you the ability to know what to do and for you to exercise it. God gave me this thought today. The greatest strength that we can receive from the Holy Spirit is to stop solely operating in our feelings and look to mind renewal. Um, I'm going to tell you, feelings are all fine and well. And I'm not saying we will never feel uh, any goosebumps or any doodads. I enjoy feeling, right? I love when Wes and the worship team are just singing the glory down and you can feel the manifest presence of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It feels so good. But I've got to have a determined mind when I leave... When that feeling subsides, because I'm going to tell you, I'm not here to be a, a downer. <laughs> that feeling is going to subside somewhere down the road. And you're going to have to have a made-up mind that I'm going to, I am going to exercise the power and the ability that God put on the inside of me, and I am not going to rely on feelings. I'm not against feelings. I like to feel too, but I don't want to rely on the feelings. I want to rely on what God's Word says. That's why the word of faith is so important. You know, there, like I said, when I went to, uh, just to, real quickly, when I went to Brownsville, I was there for a solid week. You had to get up at four in the morning to get in line across the street from the church. 
So when they opened the campus up at 6 a.m., you could get on the campus to stand in line till 6 that night in order to get into the sanctuary for a week in the Florida sun. And it was hot. And, you know, there was, in my mind, I was just by myself and a couple of other people. And I was like, what am I doing in Florida sitting in the heat waiting to get to church? But you know something? When you got in there, whoa, Nelly. It was electricity. As soon as you walked in, as soon as people began to lift up the name of the Lord. And that was an awesome season. And the reason for that season was this. I needed to know, I know that my parents taught me that God was real. I know that I was raised to believe that God was real. But there was a season there where I needed to know it for myself. I needed to feel his presence and power in my life. But then there come a time where I, after all that was over that when, when we went back home, I couldn't, I needed to get into a season of where I was not relying on what I felt, but I had to get in a season where I knew what God's word said. I had, you, this is not just about boring Bible study stuff. This is about knowing the word of God so that you can live in victory, so that you can walk in here on Sunday morning and you can feel the manifest presence of God rather than work through all the trash that you've been doing through the week. That's good preaching. I don't care if you like it or not. You've got to know the Word of God. Feelings will get you in trouble. I like feelings, but I want to know what the Word says when I cannot feel. That's why when we talk about mind renewal, that's where Romans 12 and 1 and 2, you don't even have to turn there. Uh, I'll just go to verse uh, 2. He says, and be not conformed to this world. I'm not trying to holler, okay? I'm just excited here. And be not conformed to this world. He said, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You need mind renewal. You've got, and, oh, I'm, I'm so excited. You have got to renew your mind and you have to be transformed that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's why when you can't feel, if you know what God's word says, I don't feel like I'm lost. I still know I'm saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ and what his word says. I have to have my mind renewed. And here is the hard part. We're about to get to the hard part here. This is a journey that I would love to tell you that you can wake up in the morning and everything, all the questions be answered. You got all the faith to move mountains. You got all the power to do everything that you know that you need to be doing. And you know, I tell people, you know, with God, all things are possible. Certainly. It's kind of like when people say, I want to lose weight, but they're eating donuts. Well, with God, all things are possible. But, you know, chances are that's not going to help you. So you've got to go on this journey of mind renewal. In Luke 12 and 35, Jesus said this, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. But I love the way the Bible in basic English put it. He said, be ready, dressed as for a journey with your lights burning. We are going to have to go on the journey of mind renewal with, the only, uh, with only the word of God lighting the way. That means if I can't feel it, I can't see it. We say that all the time. Even if I can't feel it, even if I can't see it, I know he's working, Right? Because Psalms 119, 105, David said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path. 
and Paul, through the Holy Spirit, listed the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. This is why he did that, so he could shine a light on our journey to let us know when we are going down the wrong path so we can get back right on the right track. If, has anybody ever killed a deer in here? Just me? Bunch? Okay. Anybody ever blood trailed a deer? At night? And you're like, okay, there's blood. And it's, I, it's so funny because like, there's blood. There's blood. Blood. And it's what you're saying, blood, blood. And then it's like, I can't find any more blood. So what you do is you mark where you found your last drop before you go searching any further. That way, if you get off track, I know where to go back to and get started and, and get back on the right track. And that's what the Word of God is for us. When we are trailing the blood of Jesus and we get off track, we've got the Word of God to say, whoop, here's where I'm getting off. I've got to get back on track. That's why he said that his word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. That sometimes when we get off track that we can get on track. We have the, the ability, but we have to be willing to go on the journey. And I would love to tell you that it's easy. But I've been on my personal journey for over five years now. And there have been days where it's been good and there's been days where I, w I wanted to I was like the children of Israel. I just wanted to run back to Egypt. It may have not been good. It may not have been what. It may not have been truth, but I knew what it was. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that will go into toxic environments just because they're used to it and they know what to expect. But God wants to take us on a journey to freedom. Here was a hard saying, Caroline, Caroline Leaf. My wife has got me listening to one of her... Uh, brain podcasts yeah makes you think <laughs> y'all caught that she said this it takes oh man this is gonna this is hard it takes anywhere from 63 to 84 days to change a toxic trait and I had some of my friends and I, I feel like they were kind of pointing at me they did a Facebook live the other day I think they were kind of pointing it at me about a convenient gospel because they talk about, you know, prosperity being a convenient gospel. Uh, to spend an 84 days to break a toxic trait and start saying what God's word says versus what you feel sound like that's convenient. It's anything but convenient. And that's why it gets under my skin because I'm like, half of you guys have not spent any more time on learning what the Bible says versus how you feel. And whenever you have to get on the journey and you have to say, hey, regardless of what I see or regardless of what I feel, I'm going to stand on the Word of God. That's nothing convenient about that. There's nothing convenient about give and it shall be given unto you. <laughs> when you're taking money out of your wallet and giving it to somebody else, there's nothing convenient about that. That's not convenient at all. And going on the journey of renewing your mind to God's Word against how you feel and what you see is anything but convenient. Well, I'm going to try to close this down. How do I start this process? Well, it's kind of what we started with when we started. I start by yielding to God's word and saying stop to my flesh. I start by yielding to God's word 
and saying stop to my flesh. Here's a, here's a, here's a really inconvenient statement. Romans 6 and 16, it says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. The word unto, I told Tanya today, I don't know why these, these words pop up and God's like, look that up. And it's the word unto. You know, we kind of know what unto refers to, but the word unto actually expresses motion. I'm, I'm moving to something. I'm moving into something. It's not standing still. It's expressing motion. If you're going back, if you're, you're, you're in motion. If you're going forward, you're going in motion. The word yield here actually means to assist, to aid, or to provide, and also use the word substantiate. And the word substantiate means to give substance or form to or to embody. When I yield to the enemy, I am allowing him to come into my life and take form. But on the flip side of that, when I yield to the spirit, I'm allowing him to come into my life and begin to take form in my life. But I have to yield. It's, it's up to me who I yield to. That's not convenient. That's not easy. But when you're trying to get somewhere, and not just somewhere, when you're trying to get into the fullness of operating in the Spirit, because I'm going to tell you, being nice is a whole lot better than being mean. Having peace in your life is a whole lot better than having angst. Love is a whole lot better than hate. You feel better. You feel better about life when you're loving people. You feel better about yourself when you're doing good for people. When Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, there's a reason that he said that. There's, there's a really good feeling that goes with that, that you're helping somebody out. But you could say it like this. When I yield to something, I'm transforming into whatever it is, spirit or flesh. That's inconvenient, but that's the truth. But here's the thing. I have the power because of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me Bible says, Jesus said, if you ask, all you have to do is ask, and he'll give it to you. And he'll put the power and the ability on the inside of you, but it's up to you and I what we yield to. We can know that, but then we've got to put it into practice, and we need to go on the journey. All right, Mr. Ken's got the Roman mic. If anybody's got a, um, if you got a question, I'll do my best to answer it, or a comment. Corinne? So I like the amplified scripture of Galatians 5.16, and I think it's a, a good confession too, but it says, um, I say walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, uh -huh. seek Him, and be responsive to His guidance, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature which re responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. I like that. You know, it just, just shows that, uh, to me, it's a promise mm -hmm. that if we're walking habitually and trying every day yes. and responding to Him then eventually we're not going to be carrying out the, the flesh. That's right. I like the word habitually there. Denny's, it's, that's a good habit to get. <laughs> things, of the, things of the Spirit. Brett. I was going to point out, um, whenever you were talking about, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, you are talking about showing love, uh, mercy, grace, and that's kind of showing people, um, showing the world that we've, got the Holy Spirit in us, yes. showing us that we have the Holy Spirit in us. Mm -hmm. 
It reminded me of Romans 12, Romans 12, 21. Uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's good. And I believe that's the real way that you, that you right. do that is by doing those small little things throughout your entire day. Amen. That's good. Dylan. I'm talking about where in the beginning you were looking at fruit versus gifts. And there's some interesting things I noticed in Scripture. Um, 12, 13, 14 is, is spiritual gifts. Well, more 12 and 14. And sandwiched right in the middle is love. Mm-hmm. So love is what all, it all hinges on. That's right. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Pursue love. Mm. Earnestly desire the gifts. Right. So in our pursuit of love... That's when the Lord comes in and brings us the gifts that we That's right. so need. And yes. then also in Galatians 6 or 5, I always get it confused, um, where he talks about the gifts. He says the Holy Spirit will produce. That's right. It's, it's a guarantee that he will produce yes. it in your life. Amen. So I would say that it's on us to pursue love mm-hmm. and then expect the gifts on that journey. Yeah. I think when, especially when he talks about power and ability, it's really, like I was saying earlier, the, he gives you the power and the ability to pursue. And I think a lot of times we're just kind of thinking we're going to wake up one day and it's just going to be there. You know, and, and that's, that would be very convenient, but we are to pursue. And I think that's where the power is at, is the ability to pursue. It's kind of like, uh, I'm kind of telling off on myself a little here. Uh, when you go to the gym and you drink a pre-workout, does anybody know what those are? You all of a sudden get this surge. <laughs> but what happens there is, it, now the pre-workout does not go in and lift the weights for me, but it puts something on the inside of me that causes me to pursue that. The same way it is with the Holy Spirit. It, it comes on the inside of you. It doesn't go and do it for you, but it gives you the ability to pursue. It gives you the desire to pursue. So anyone else? Bless you. All right. That's it. Oh, sorry, Cherie. <laughs> Again, several little notes that I was making throughout, but um, the habitually is important. And in the NIV, it actually says when you live like this. Mm. And out in the margin of my Bible, I have a quote from Spurgeon who um said, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Mm. So, That's good. I, yeah, I, I, I thought that That's that really uh, had a lot to do with that particular scripture. Um, and then, of course, in when you were talking about um, love, the scripture that came to mind for me was John 13, 35, which is they'll know, you know, Yes. That you're, you're Christians by your love for, for one another. That's right. Um, and then my last thing that I wanted to say was, John, you're in good company because Paul also said that he didn't do what he wanted to do. <laughs> so <laughs> don't beat yourself up too yeah. badly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you right now, like I said, the journey that you go on, it's like growing. Sometimes it's ugly. You know, kids start puberty and it's like, oof, you know. But, it, you know, that's the, grow, that's the growing process. And sometimes it's ugly. So, 
but we bloom into maturity. <laughs> All right, anyone else? What are you laughing about? <laughs> when you were talking about love, what came to my mind was Matthew 22 in the verses 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he added, without missing a beat, it just goes right on, verse 38, that says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh -huh. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Uh -huh. And it just, it's interesting to know that he just, he went right from one to the other. Uh -huh. And, you know, not necessarily just meaning just here, you know, at our church body. But if the, just, and just here in the United States, if we truly loved uh -huh. everybody like we love ourselves and like we love God, we couldn't build churches fast enough. That's right. And, you know, so that is, um, you know, something that uh, I think the church body, like I said, not just meaning this mm -hmm. church, but as a whole needs to work toward. I agree. Because love, a lot of times people associate love just as feeling as well. And that's, you know, you can love and not feel. Uh, I've, I've told this story so many times about my older two sisters, or my older sister, my younger sister, when we would get in a fight, my mom would make us make me go in there and hug them, tell them I loved them. And I would just always say, well, I love you, but it's, I love you God's way. I wasn't going to let them know <laughs> I loved them. But you know what? That's the reality. We, you know, there's some people that are not lovable, but you can love them by being all these, these synonyms of the fruit of the, of the Spirit to them, mercy and service and kindness, even when they're being you know, what they're being. So it's a, it's not a feeling. It's just what you do. I've seen some people that, man, they can make you so mad, but I know in my heart that if I seen them on the side of the road and they needed help, I'd stop and help them. So that's really kind of how you know that love is present is not just because you might want to wring their neck one minute, but then you'll be helping them the next minute. So anyone else got a comment or a question or Something they would like to add? Okay, let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your word. And we're thankful, God, that you give us power. And Father, you show us through your word, God, that we do have the ability. And Father, we're going to pray for strength, strength and might and ability, Father, that whenever things arise and we have an opportunity to show flesh or spirit, God, you're, the Holy Spirit is a reminder. He's not just a teacher. He's a reminder. You said it in, in your word, God, that the Holy Spirit would bring us into remembrance of everything that Jesus said. And Jesus told us to love. So we're going to remember that when we're faced with situations. And we're going to go on this journey, God, of having our mind renewed with your word. And, Father, that uh, we want to see people born into the kingdom of God. We want to see people come in to know you and to be filled with your spirit. Their lives changed. And the way we're going to show that is love.
and mercy and grace. And we're just going to thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.